0: Hello, and welcome to JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. This is Neera Chandan from FX Strategy. And I'm joined by my colleagues today, uh, Arindam Sandilya from, uh, from Asia, Patrick Locke from uh, New York, and James Nalligan from uh, the UK. So, um, you know, this has been clearly a much awaited um, event laden week uh, for FX markets. We've had the Fed, ECB, BOJ. I think the BOJ was an interesting delivery. Our economists had an out of consensus call there, which uh, you know the delivery was uh, was in line with that. Uh, but we also had the PMIs, uh, the flash PMIs earlier this week, which confirmed that weak momentum uh, for Europe is actually quite entrenched. Um, to recap, our baseline view to just set the stage for this discussion, uh, you know, regular listeners uh, will know that we've been characterizing the current mac- m- macro landscape. Um, as US exceptionalism. Um, yes, the market has increased uh, the odds of a soft landing in the US, but in our view, that does not really equate to a global soft landing, at least if the data over the last couple of months from China and Europe are anything to judge uh, by. Um, and this basic um, decoupling and growth momentum has informed our bullish um, dollar and Swiss stance in recent weeks. Uh, but of course, this has been hard to monetize, particularly the bullish um, dollar view. Um, But, you know, with that backdrop um, in mind, let's just uh, turn to the regional and the um, uh, event update. Let's start with Asia. Uh, Arindam, we had the uh, China Politburo meeting. Um, Now, that was a much-awaited outcome. I know the the outcome usually there tends to be pretty vague. But do you think there was enough there for CNY to bottom out? Um, And what are the markers you're going to be looking at over the next couple of months to get the future direction of dollar CNY?
1: Hey Mira, yes, much awaited Politburo meeting. I don't think we got uh, a massive upside surprise, uh, the sort of surprise that might have given us sustained multi-week or even multi-month upside in channeling assets. There are no major big bank policy announcements along the lines of uh, special treasury bond issuance, uh, no nationwide housing market support. What the market did rally off was the removal of this uh, one line around housing policy, which had been there for uh, many quarters, stating that housing is for living, not for speculation. Um, the removal of that line has given the market some hope that more policies and could be in the pipeline. But in terms of markers that you're looking for, you really need to see the uh, the devil in the detail in terms of implementation from various local and uh, provincial authorities, which will come through over the next uh, couple of months, uh, unless those overwhelm market expectations. you know, Our baseline remains that... Uh, Macro easing as a way to remedy China's current uh, cyclical ills is is insufficient, and we do not see a, a sustained series of growth upgrades that can reverse the damage done to growth sentiment and the CNY over the last couple of months.
0: Okay, so it's not enough to uh, turn things around. Um, I guess we also had the BOJ meeting, which was, uh, which was, I think, a pretty interesting outcome. Uh, you know, they're they're moving at a snail's pace, but um, but they are starting to move. Um, and obviously, we've been uh, more uh, bearish on yen on the view that the yield divergence relative to the rest of the world just continues to keep widening. Um, what's your take there?
1: Yeah, I Mira, mean, today was interesting uh, and confusing. So. I took away two main things from the meeting. The first is uh, that there is now constructive ambiguity around what the BOJ's tolerance uh, range for uh, JGB yields is. Previously, the market immediately took yields up to the uh, ceiling of the YCC band 0.5% and repeatedly tested the BOJ. Now there is constructive ambiguity, right? And that allows the BOJ to intervene at various levels within the band, not necessarily at the uh, upper extreme of 1%. Um, And this keeps the market on its toes. So I think the first takeaway is that the market is unlikely to test the BOJ on JGB in the same way that we saw in Q1. So that takes away uh, or reduces some of the uh, yen positive impulses from from this YCC tweak. The second is you look at the inflation uh, revisions, forecast revisions. uh, We did get uh, sort of a mark-to-market upward revision of the uh, FI23 forecast, but the 24 inflation forecast was actually taken down, which kind of tells you where the BOJ's head is at. Uh, this is a necessary step towards normalization of uh, not necessarily even monetary policy, just the YCC policy, which is re- well acknowledged to be distortionary for the bond market. But the journey towards rate normalization will remain a very long one. And hence, this yield divergence story that you referenced in your comments, I think that remains a bugbear for the yen. But having said that, um, you know, in our uh, pre-event uh, uh, commentary, we had noted that uh, Given the extent of yield moves that our rates uh, peers were forecasting, we thought a three to five uh, yen move lower in dollar yen was on the cards. We've not gotten as much today. Uh, so we are watchful for what unfolds over the next uh, next few days. But uh, I don't think we've seen enough out of the BOJ today to durably change our bearish instance.
0: Okay, so um, interesting shift by the central bank, but uh, not really changing the bearish outlook on um, on yen. Let's turn to the US now. Uh, Patrick, uh, what was the main takeaway from the Fed? I think the data dependency was a the theme for both the major central banks this week, uh, the Fed and the ECB. Um, and, uh, you know, what was interesting to me is that the Fed actually indicated this uh, possibility of a soft landing in the US. Uh, what do you think the implications for the dollar are from that?
2: Yeah, thanks, Mara. Um, you know, I'd say on the whole, the Fed was pretty straightforward. Biggest takeaway is probably that they're done hiking. At least that's kind of what our economists tend to think. Um, there's still a bit of premium kind of baked into September, November in the markets. But the, the tone that Powell took, which really seemed to kind of emphasize the prospects you know, of a soft landing, I would, I'd say it was generally cautiously optimistic, um, you know, with respect to them making progress on what they need to do on inflation and without like a significant, you know, adjustment in the labor market. Um, So that is consistent with potentially pausing, uh, you know, in September. Um, And as Powell alluded to many times, and as you kind of just suggested data dependence will be key uh, multiple CPIs and and labor market prints uh, before that next uh, FOMC meeting. Uh, But, you know, for us, uh, the meeting was pretty forward in a tactical sense. It was in line with expectations. There was no real change in guidance or anything like that. Um, so that actually meant the FX was, response on the day was actually quite limited. Um, you know, we have a chart in the weekly this week that actually kind of illustrates that it was a dollar's narrowest range on an FOMC date since the FOMC, since the hiking cycle actually began, which I think makes sense, you know, in the context of being in the later stages of the hiking cycle. Market participants generally have a better idea of what to expect from the Fed at this point. Uh, and that's especially the case um, as the pace of hikes, you know, continues to kind of, to kind of slow further. Um, but a couple kind of other takeaways, you know, from the FX space um, following the Fed, I think first, again, as you alluded to, you know, the data we got out of the U.S. this week was actually quite solid. Um, and so the market did take the Fed's cue, not necessarily to add more hikes to the curve, uh, but to deprice some easing further out. Um, so the Goldilocks U.S. scenario is not, to me, just a blanket opportunity to sell dollars. You know, the data is in fact supportive um, from the perspective of you know better yields in the U.S. Um, second, and as we'll get to in a second with you, um, you know, the Fed was pretty straightforward, but that basically meant that they were less dovish than you know the ECB by comparison, at least relative to expectations coming into the meeting, uh, and so that obviously provided some uh, some support to the dollar as well. And finally, um, you know, something else we refresh this week is just, you know, if this is the start of the Fed pause, uh, it's a rather unique Fed pause in that, um, you know, for the next nine months where we expect the Fed to stay on hold, other economies are also battling high inflation and have high yields as well, uh, which hasn't really been the case uh, in prior pauses necessarily in the past 30 years. Uh, You think about what happened, you know, the 2018-2019 pause, for example, Only the BOC in the G10 space was able to hike more than twice um, during the Fed's hiking cycle, so uh, quite a significant kind of backdrop uh, for the dollar, but ultimately one that I think um, could prove supportive for the dollar, given that, um, you know, maybe U.S. yields come down in the U.S. like they do historically around pauses, but, uh, you know, perhaps elsewhere as well, Um, and some of the easing baked into the Fed curve, I think, is already fairly advanced on a relative basis, so perhaps that provides some insulation, uh, you know, to the dollar. Um, but maybe with that, I'll turn back to you, Mira. Um, interested to hear your take on the ECB. Um, obviously, it delivered some pretty striking uh, euro underperformance on the day. Um, and also, you've been out for a bit, so interested to get your take on, you know, what euro has been doing more broadly recently, um, and just kind of your thoughts about how it's gone uh, tactically against our bearish view before, you know, coming back on the 109 handle this week.
0: Sure. Thanks, Pat. I, I think the ECB, like the Fed, was data dependent. That certainly seems to be the key buzzword um, around um, around the central bank meetings this week. Um, now, I think uh, what's been interesting um, on one key divergence and difference that I'll draw between the ECB and the Fed is that the Fed, um, you know, was sort of signaling um, somewhat higher odds of a, high, a softer landing, which is consistent with what the market is looking at for the U.S., um, whereas the ECB actually sounded um, a lot more concerned about um, about the way that growth is unfolding um, in Europe. And that's really what is driving um the growth uncertainty in the region is really what's driving their indication that they' they're potentially coming to a pause so to me that does set the backdrop very differently for euro versus the dollar as you know we've been uh we've been um, more bearish on the euro uh if I look at the strengthening in the euro dollar when it tested 112 um I you know it's it's hard for me to, explain that move using any of the traditional drivers of the currency pair so if you look at rate differentials for example whether it's real or nominal um they didn't really warrant a 3 cent um a 3 cent increase um in the euro dollar and you know those kind of moves was you know really were re- 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 in fact suggesting that euro dollar should have been unchanged uh, the week that that occurred if you look at the relative growth momentum and we've been pointing this out um since uh, since late may so for almost 2 months now um, it's sharply diverged from the US. Um, and that has actually intensified. and I think on a standalone basis should have warranted a three cent decline in euro dollar rather than a three cent increase. And um, and equally, if I look at the relative equity market returns as well, you know, it's quite stark. So to me, if I look at the main drivers, you know, softer relative growth, peaking rate differentials, uh, by the way, rate differentials are also sort of starting to move lower relative equity momentum, all suggesting that the recent strengthening that we saw when euro dollar breach 112 really was unwarranted. So, um, you know, and even now, if I look at where the fair value of euro dollar is, um, you know, we're modestly overshooting, it should be closer to 108 or 109. Um, and actually, if you say that there should be a three cent sort of discount for the, the relative growth difference, you know, that could easily get us to our 105 uh, sort of second half target here. So I'm inclined to sort of Keep the bearish, um, the bearish uh, view on euro intact, even though it's been uh, harder to monetize versus the dollar. Um, and you know, sometimes we do see in the past that the, the relative growth story can take about a quarter to kind of filter through to the currency. But equally, that being said, you know, I, I think there has to be an acknowledgement here that some of the moves that we've had recently, since they're not explained by fundamentals, clearly there's something else going on that we don't quite fully understand. So perhaps, um, you know, in practical terms, it's better to kind of use euro more as a funder more broadly rather than positioning for it versus the dollar alone here. Because what's the missing part of this sort of narrative that I've just laid out for the euro is that U.S. inflation is surprising to the downside. And that's something that traditionally our frameworks wouldn't wouldn't have captured um so um uh, my personal bias here is to continue to the use euro as a funder if one is wary of further soft inflation trends in the US and the impending Fed pause um, then I think certainly, you know, being underweight, uh, the euro block versus Swiss as a defensive, more defensive regional play uh, is, is certainly still a viable alternative in my mind. And then also to use euro to fund the currency carry. I mean, at the end of the day, some of these LATAM currencies are, you know, our EM strategists have had a really great call on that um, on the likes of Mexico. Um, you know, these currencies are still yielding very high um yields um you know the growth momentum locally is still quite attractive and um i would say that um uh, you know that the underlying potential for for them to outperform particularly versus euro where there's a clear divergence is actually quite high um, and and so that, that, that would be the bias uh, going forward. And the very last thing I'll say on the dollar is, of course, that, as I said at the start of this call, a U.S. soft landing is not the same thing as a global soft landing. And, you know, we would really continue to view this more as a U.S. exceptionalism story rather than anything else right now. Uh, OK, so with that in mind, you know, that's that's sort of the stock take of the events so far this week. But we're not quite done with G10 yet. Uh, we've also got James Nelligan on the line. Uh, you know, James, you've got the BOE um, uh, next week. Um, and clearly Sterling's been uh, a, really an outlier here in terms of how much the BOE has been able to deliver and could continue to deliver. So what's the outlook going into Sterling and what's um, what's the risk biases here?
3: Yeah, sure. So Bank of England. Obviously, priced to to hike twenty five basis point next week, and that's that's also kind of unanimously expected by sell side consensus. Um, in, in terms of just the meeting itself, um, forward guidance, they they will retain the tightening bias, um, clearly. But but given the downside surprise in in June CPI, you know the chances of a fifty basis point move are obviously very low and. It'll be interesting to see how how Governor Bailey approaches the inflation debate in, in the press conference. Um, he'll probably stress that you know one print doesn't make a trend, but might sound cautiously optimistic on inflation, and that that could potentially solidify the the cap in in rate spreads that we've seen since the inflation print. Um, in terms of the forecasts, so our UK economist expects a slightly higher growth forecasts in the near term, but but lower in the following years and um on inflation the forecast probably come down just to reflect the kind of the loss in in momentum from the june cpi print but but the inflation forecast at the two year policy horizon probably stays above 2% just to maintain that tightening bias um so overall for sterling i mean recently you've had rate spreads and, and growth expectations both working in the in the bearish direction for for the first time in in several months and the uk pmi's this week were soft across the board and so we we see the picture as as kind of slowly building on on the evidence that the transmission of policy tightening is is happening um and yesterday uh, obviously we saw cable break below uh 128 um but i'd say i'd say the progress on the on the bearish sterling view obviously very a, a lot a lot more difficult than than we expected um we are still bearish sterling but you know in our thinking about about global themes, we we prefer to kind of isolate the European slowdown, which the European growth slowdown, which is one of our highest conviction themes. So uh, we'd rather think about Sterling in terms of a bearish view on Sterling and a bullish view on, on Swiss within the European space um, and really hone in on, on that that European theme.
0: Um, thanks, James. So um in summary, um the main the main themes that we're focusing on are US exceptionalism. Uh, European slowdown, which uh, you know, which uh, we narrowly really like, versus uh, versus the Swiss franc. Um, China weakness, despite the outcome of the Politburo meeting, and then finally, uh, uh, you know, a, a bearish um, yen view still, despite the BoJ um, sort of mini pivot, which we think is not going to be enough to, to to totally turn the tide uh, on yen over the medium term uh, and bearish uh, bearish sterling as well. Uh, for more um, information on our views take a look at our website uh, for for detailed additional research uh, this communication is provided for information purposes only uh, please refer to JP Morgan research reports related to its content for more information including important disclosures 2023 JP Morgan Chase and Company all rights reserved this episode was recorded on July 28 2023.